Other podcasts never keep their focus on their chosen subject matter. This week we're going to talk about this subject, but I want to talk about another subject that I'm going to talk about for three hours because that's what you don't want to hear and that's what we're going to be discussing. We always make sure we stay right on time. Hold on. Hold on. I'm doing a podcast. Hold on. TME Studios. It's what you want. This episode of The Shootout with Bill Blanchard is brought to you in part by... Looking for some merchandise from your favorite Livewire Wrestling star? The only place to get it is at Livewire Wrestling Spreadshirt Store at shoplivewire.ga. Here you'll find the largest selection of merchandise from your favorite Livewire Wrestling stars. And we are always adding new designs, so you'll always find something that fits and suits your taste. So head on over to shoplivewire.ga and get yours today. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by the guest on the shootout are not the views and opinions of TMB Studios, its management, or the host Bill Blanchard. They are strictly the views and opinions of the guest and the guest alone. If you are offended by any of these views and opinions, please stop listening now. It's time! What was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring that people said, oh my God, that boy is stupid? Put over Brandon Parker. What? <laughs> no, no. I mean, because we did some pretty weird shit over there. I mean, me and me and Devin Wright at one point had a buff bitch match. Whatever, dude. A buff bitch match? Damn. And he looked like the big guy off of Captain America. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> that's that's just that shocked the fuck out of me. How me one guy who's just asking straight up questions to people, and straight up answers, is getting more hits than something that brings a lot of people back to their childhood. And, I mean, this is kind of funny. I appreciate that. You ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> Chris Dickens. <laughs> Do we really have to go there? You know, I heard Vince's comment one day. He said, hey, even God himself has a, has a sense of humor. You know? I mean, wow. Had to create a Christopher Dwayne Dickens. <laughs> oh, God. How many ring racks? How many ring racks did you have backstage? There were rumors about... How many ring racks wanted to get some... Dirt? Wait, 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 what? Yeah, how many ring racks you actually had some Ring dirt? rats? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Chris, HK what don't care what ring rats are. Oh, the one even Wolf Call would turn down. Dale Cheryl. <laughs> Damn. If I hit another zinger right out the park. Wow. Uh, wow. Don't forget, you know, we have know, to put six over in the main event because he's the top guy. And, um, yeah. Well, Hogan must pose, you know what I mean? Hogan must pose. Damn it, Bruce. I feel like going to the Cheeto show and take this part. I was like pissing on the grave. That one, bro. The shootout with Bill Blanchard. All right, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Wrestling Shootout. Hey, I'm your host, Matt Martin, Bill Blanchard, and Happy New Year to everybody out there in the world of professional wrestling, indie wrestling, and any kind of wrestling in between. Today, I've started things off right. I've got one of my closest friends. 
and the production uh, tag team partner, my broadcast tag team partner, if you would. He's the main man himself, the one and only Blake Collins. Blake, man, happy new year and welcome to the shootout, brother. How you doing? Happy New Year to you as well, Mr. and Mr. Bill Blanchard. It is a it is an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you. It's absolutely been a uh, pheno- phenomenal New Year, um, kicking kicking things off right. We've had a whirlwind of activity going on in the professional wrestling world. It is absolutely on fire right now, every, every which way you slice it. So it is. One heck of a time to be a wrestling fan, and not only that, but boy, oh boy, is is there a lot of things stirring in what possibly could go on? So, I mean, we we have a lot to talk about, brother. Yes, we do. We got a lot to talk about, and you know, if I could, I definitely want to get your opinion on this because there's been so much controversy I've heard from the Jim Cornette experience. I've even heard from Eric Bischoff in these three weeks. I've listened to, um, God, it's been, it's been countless podcasts. And, and everybody's got their own opinion. I, I know mm-hmm. even here in the CSRA, in the local wrestling mm-hmm. community, some of the wrestlers from Livewire have actually had okay. some uh, interesting things to say about the return of the icon Sting back in the spotlight professional wrestling. You know, he was signed with WWE. He did not renew his contract. You know, he kind of let things go open. And then all of a sudden, he's in AEW, all your league wrestling. And then, wow. I, I mean, like, so many people have said, well, six to one years old, what can this man do anymore in the business? I mean, come on. Why is Tony Khan writing out bad checks for this guy? And I've heard some people make, I've heard some people make comments that, um, that um, why would he give up so much potential WWE money for AEW? And you know, personally, Blake, my comment on that is, you know, if, if you if you check out <laughs> Tony Khan, is has got multi billions, almost five point something billion dollars compared to what Vince McMahon has. I don't think Sting made a stupid business decision right here because I don't know the great groundbreaking details of how much money Tony Khan offered Sting, but to get Sting to come out of retirement and to show up there to get in the ring with Cody Rhodes and helping him out, I mean, wow, talk about an impact in AEW. But man, I really want to hear your thoughts on that. For, first of all, um, when we delve into this, you look at Sting's WWE run. Yeah, he he was absolutely uh, gung ho to, to wrestle some of the guys. Like you saw him wrestle, uh, you saw him go toe to toe with Seth Rollins and a lot of other people. And it looked to be on the fast track to success, but politics and everything got involved, and Sting was severely misused in WWE. I mean, they they would not let him uh, do hardly any much of anything that he wanted to do, and the situ- the situation that kind of broke the camel's back with Sting in WWE is that every, every wrestling fan that I've that you, he- you hear from and you talk to, one of their dream matches has always been Sting versus The Undertaker. It's two mysterious dark characters that were able to go toe-to-toe like that would be absolutely earth-shattering and would break the would break the wrestling world so when you look at how all that came about because they had the perfect opportunity to do that and usher that in 
at, I believe it was WrestleMania 31 when he first came in, but then they decided right. to do the WCW, what was left of the remnants of WCW versus WWE, and it was Triple H versus Sting, and then they brought in what was left of the NWO into that match to face off to counteract that with DX, and they clashed, which was fine and dandy, but... It's one of those things where if you look at how Sting was portrayed in the WWE, you could you could literally see elements of him kind of not necessarily liking his time in WWE, and you could see him kind of uh, straying a little bit from what they were what they were wanting to do with him. Now, when you look at how that transpired and you look at how WWE had a chance to do it and I think and I kind of think there there were times when they were saying okay we will look at doing this and we will look at doing that but it never metastasized it never came into existence and I think Sting had just had a belly full of them misusing him Uh, and he is not the only guy that WWE has misused to get the best out of their ta- out of their talent to put them in a premier position to succeed. You had a really good legend in Sting willing to work with guys to put them over. And what do they do? They falter on their feet with that. So, mosey on into the pandemic. You don't know you don't know quite yet what you're looking at getting with the pandemic. No one knows at this point. It seems mm-hmm. like WWE cannot figure out how to work with the pandemic at all. I mean, you, you hear you hear of stuff of them not being transparent with the pandemic and allowing fans in without being tested and things like that. And you, and from everything you keep hearing and reading, and everything that has been uh, reported on, they weren't as much transparent as they would like you to believe they are. So you start you start letting fans in into the NXT um, NXT arena in in Orlando, and it's the um, a training center that, that they have in Orlando. You start letting people in, and you, you kind of get a feel for how that how that works, which led to the innovation of the cinematic style matches. Now, Sting is upwards of fifty to sixty years old. Sixty-one. So was Taker. So oh, was right. Taker. This would have been the perfect time to do a Sting versus Taker match. Because when you get on up into your when you get up on into your elder statesman years, you're not as elusive. You can't really move as move as well as you did when you were younger. So this style of matchup and with the editing that you that you can do with this style of matchup can add on to the effectiveness of of this style of matchup and not necessarily hide but help to highlight the better the 
the um the better parts of a matchup and take whatever kind of faults the wrestlers may come up with and not be able to do it they used to, it can kind of diminish those and put them into the background and allow what they can bring to the table at their particular age stand out. Yes, the match may not be as good as it might have been, say, 10, 20 years ago when Sting was in TNA and Undertaker was um, wrestling the lights of Shawn Michaels at uh, at 25. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, it might not have been as good as when Sting was a Joker in, in TNA. You know, at that particular age that he was in. But the cinematic style matchups can hide the deficiencies of wrestlers as they get older to bring the best style of matchup and to bring the best match possible that these two wrestlers can create. So it hides a lot of this it hides a lot of the slower elements of it. And we've seen that numerous times. You just had one um one at hard to kill just Saturday where you had mm-hmm. Ethan Ethan Page versus right. Ethan Page's alter ego, the karate man. Now you ask yourself how in the hell can a an individual face off against an alter ego of the same individual? You can do that with cinematic style matches. So there, there's elements to bring in that would help Sting and Taker put on the best style of matchup. Plus, with those two minds combined and the mysterious dark nature of those, it would be one hell of a cinematic match. Yeah, folks, you would absolutely love to have fans in attendance to see dream matches like that. But if you look at, honestly, where we are and where those two wrestlers' careers are right now, yes. Right. It would have been awesome to see it in the ring with fans there. Still would have been a good match. But there, there's also the element of... With with those two wrestlers being the same age that they are, or being the age that they are, a little bit of disappointment on the on the fans' faces in attendance if that match would have been live in front of fans because of the match caliber that fans would expect from those two caliber of wrestlers. So the cinematic match is the best resolution to get the caliber match they can put on now to the best of their ability to keep fans happy. And that wouldn't have been possible if it hadn't have been for the pandemic. But they missed That's a right. massive opportunity there with that because they didn't they they haven't utilized Sting since his Seth Rollins turnbuckle uh bomb fiasco at Clash of Champions. So they haven't brought him they haven't brought him in to do the things that he, that he wanted to do to elevate people that he wanted to elevate so they have severely misused him now he be, he became frustrated with everything going on in in WWE and he became frustrated with how things were going and this was not only him but there are several people that they have misused and not, oh, gosh, not just yes. him so Everything started building up, building up, 
building up. And he was like, okay. Um, not going to say much, but he quietly just kind of parted ways with him. And then you enter. I mean, what else? What else? What else could they have done, though? I mean, the way I look at it, though, when Sting came in, the main thing we knew we were gonna get, we were gonna get two good DVDs, documentaries of his best matches, something all fans wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna get inducted in the Hall of Fame. That was all great, but his worst fears came to realize is that he didn't want to be buried every single time, every time, every every turncoat, and and that's exactly what they did, bringing the fact that. You know, the last guy from WCW, and he just wanted to mm-hmm. bury him. They buried him while commentating at WrestleMania that year. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I mean, come on, guys. We know you won the war. You know you won the battle. I mean, for crying out loud, why try to destroy that guy? Because he remained loyal for so long and didn't trust how you're going to so, be used. I mean, it's. So let me, let me, let me ask you a question then. Sure. You you don't think he wouldn't elevate Bray Wyatt's career to the moon and back? Oh, I believe he would have. As the fiend, would he uh, that also would have been incredible to see that with the Crows thing would, in, in the would fiend? Would he have also? Would he have also elevated Finn Bauer's gimmick, the the Demon? Not shot of a doubt. You put you put elements together that you know can work well together. In a feud like that, it rocket launches careers. It really does. And as you start to see what AEW is utilizing Sting for in in his 60s, you can see where this is going. Because what Sting is doing, there is a wrestler in all elite wrestling known as half man and half dead. Kind of just like the crow gimmick. Just like, not just like it, but very similar in Mm -hmm. style to the crow gimmick of Sting. And his name is Darby Allen. They they brought it in. They first set it up like this. Taz, a human suplex machine, is a really good guy to take advice from. So he was trying to right. he was trying to uh, negotiate with our Darby and try to teach him underneath his wing. Darby wanted to stand on his own and didn't want anything to do with it. So he denied him several times. Then you started to see Darby sitting up into the rafters at Daly's place. What did Sting do a lot of times in WCW? Sit up in the rafters and watch WWE pay per views. Now, with that being said, you slowly start to get feels and you slowly start to get kind of recollections of a similar, similar sting the way he does things. And then when you bring Sting in finally, which was the the best way to do it because everybody was wondering what the hell is this uh, coming uh, coming this winter? Like you were trying to figure out what the hell is this winter about? Because he came in on on December second. He he had already been gone from WWE, so it's like okay, so you're, you're thinking, all right, what? 
what could this possibly be? Who 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 could they have possibly who who could they have possibly brought in? And that has sort of this mysterious kind of winter. Like I've never heard of this, but when you think about it, winter is kind of a even though it's it's white and it's kind of snowy, but it's also kind of dreary and mysterious and sometimes a little bit dark. So you right. start to think, think about that, and you know, okay, you can put you can kind of put two and two together. Sting just left about two months ago silently nobody knew it and then you know you get you get on the you get on the phone with uh tony afterward and then you start started putting it together when you start to see darby do sting like things then you can kind of put it together and what and what they're looking to do with darby is tremendously elevate elevate him to stardom and maybe even pass that because of the way they're taking this, you know, you get you get that feud, bring it full circle with the ta- with the the Taz people, and you use Sting that way. You Sting as a manager type guiding force to Darby Allen, utilize in that way, and right. And then maybe later on you have Darby say thank you, but you know maybe it turns into this whole thing where Darby turns on Sting or Sting turns on Darby. If that's the case, there's your cinematic style match to elevate Darby to the moon and back. But you start thinking about these things, th- start thinking about the concepts, and start thinking about how the business is starting to change. You can see a lot of elements coming into place that are conceptually thought about that that have been thought about but not put in place. But now you're seeing them put in place to where the major company in wrestling might want to start taking some notes and doing things a little bit different now because... It's starting to affect them in tremendous ways right now. Right, right. But, but you, but you talk about how how would you utilize Sting differently? It's a a lot of things. First of all, you've got a mysteriously dark and creative mind there. If you don't see him in person on WWE television, you can utilize that mind. To help bring out the betterment of the younger wrestlers that you're trying to elevate, even though they're not, even though at that particular time they were utilizing one of their older faces, like you just saw Gold, you just saw Goldberg again, and not I love Goldberg back in the '90s, but I'm honestly not really wanting to see him face Drew McIntyre right now. But that is the that is the game plan for Royal Rumble, so. Yeah. I mean that that is, but that's one area where they could have utilized Sting a hell of a lot more than they did. And now you're you're seeing that a lot with AEW because not only are you introducing Sting and to say, hey, you know what, I can really teach you some things because you, mine and your mind are similar in the way we think. So 
you're you're a younger version or you are younger so let me help mold your mind into and let me help mentor your mind into where where you can take it to even elevate your career on farther and i think that's where right now aew has utilized sting brilliantly Well, I know you were, we were talking before we went on the air. You know, mm-hmm. let's jump right. Let's jump right into that. You know, what's what's currently going on? As you explained to me before about wrestling mm-hmm. promotions uniting, and 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 it's like the one of the greatest times to be a wrestling fan. Let's jump into that, boss. All right. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll set the stage a little bit. Remember how in the nineties people could not stop talking about wrestling because you had. Right. WWF at the time going against WCW, right? Right, right. Now, let let me say something here, and I will explain a little bit as to why I think now it's a little bit better than back in back in those days, right? All right. When in wrestling history when in when in uh, recent wrestling history have companies ever even even entertained an idea about working with each other? And the reason and the reason I say that is because is because when you lay out what we're, what we're about to talking about. It makes right. sense. See, back, and I can't recall a time when actually actual companies have entertained the prospects of working together. You know, you used to back, long, back long, in... Long, long time ago in the 80s when Vince McMahon was mm-hmm. taking over and invading people's territories. You had other territories try to unite with the AWA, Lady Montverde Gagne, mm-hmm. and the crazy superclass, mm-hmm. but it did right. not... Didn't seem to work too well back then, but I think times are different because the people are begging and pleading for something different. Right, and and not only that, but you don't have a uh, you you don't have like particularly uh, territories uh, coming into the fray and being scooped up like you did with McMahon uh, back in the day. You can you can right. you can see actually companies working together and and and. Where we're going with this is back in the early, early part of, I believe it was November or December. You know, you had the, you had a women, a women's championship match in AEW. All of a sudden, Thunder Rosa, who is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion shows up on Dynamite. Right. Which was a huge um which brought which was a huge eyeball grabber, which brought a a lot of people going like, "Hey, do you see this? Like what what the what the heck's going on here?" You get people talking. Right? And then you have her come in, wrestle on AEW Dynamite. Not just come in to start a rivalry. You have her 
come in and wrestle on AEW Dynamite. First clue. Then, that opens up the door for for more participation from NWA, which which could could be coming down the line. Uh, you don't really know that yet, but then you also bring it on into kind of kind of the new year, right? Right, and you have. The Good Brothers showing up on the first episode of the new year on AEW. And the Good Brothers are the Impact Tag Team Champions. Now, why would they show up on a Dynamite and take out half their roster if if there's if there's not a plan there. Also, everyone talks about the Moxley Omega December second match. Right. The the Jacksonville screw job. Um you know Don Callis what from from what he said was invited to and in, invite Invited, excuse me, to Dynamite by Tony Khan out of good faith at the request of Kenny Omega. Right? Right. Now, in interviews back, uh, I believe it was a couple of years ago. Before AEW was even conceptualized at this point. The Young Bucks said in several interviews that we would like to see if we can we can change the wrestling world. Change right. the the wrestling landscape. Didn't hear didn't hear anything about it for about uh, Smatterings here and there about it for about a year to six months, but nothing to kind of conceptually visualize what what uh, what is happening right now. But when Don Callis came in, Don Callis at that particular point, who is Kenny Omega's manager, right, is he was at that at that particular time when, when a lot of these interviews took place, he was a creative member of Impact and he was also a commentator with Impact. He That's is right. now an executive vice president of Impact Wrestling at, at as of right now. So you invite the executive vice president of Impact Wrestling on to All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Sort of similar, wouldn't you think, to how ECW came into the WWF back in the day. Yeah, that's right. 
So you, you start to piece some things together. The vice president of Impact Wrestling is coming in to All Elite Wrestling. He screwed All Elite Wrestling's champion, World Heavyweight Champion, out of his title. You have the NWA in the women's division right now. There, There's talk about so, um, some more coming in. So right now, you have three companies sort of in, a, in an alliance working together. Working, working together. And the pandemic's a perfect time because there's not that many places of... There's not that many wrestling places that have a TV deal that are open right now. Well, with with AEW uh-huh. NWA Power with Impact Wrestling, like I said, all working, you know, together. I know back in the eighties, you had World Class, you had Jerry Lawler's, uh, Jer- Jerry Jarrett's, excuse me, Memphis, not not Jerry Lawler, uh, Jerry Jarrett's. Uh, I think Laura too, the Memphis territory, working along with yeah. Minnesota's AWA, they tried. Right. It was their egos that could not seem to, you know, make it all work, and the whole thing blew up in their face after Super Class Three was a mm-hmm. piss poorly received. You know, mm-hmm. are you, is there any kind of worries at all that the egos running? Because that's, that's the biggest thing I've seen destroy wrestling. Our egos, right? You know, everyone thinks that what they're right is right. They want their talent to go over, not so much and everything. Or do you think these guys are going to learn from past promoters' mistakes and realize, hey, we've got to unite and work together here, or we're not going to have a, uh, a prayer against WWE? A couple of things. Uh, to a couple of things that I I I, I truly be- I truly believe that that dynamite that impact and um, the NWA are are working together, but that but that's just me. Um, a couple of things. One, you have wrestlers that are that care about the wrestling business. You have wrestlers that are wanting to change the wrestling business because they care about the wrestling business. Back when you saw the N- NWO uh, rising up and doing all they were doing, those were wrestlers who. A lot of times, all they thought about was money. Money, there's money a, and simple. There's a, there's a different mindset and there's a different men, mentality to what went on back then and to what's going on now. And a lot of times back in the '80s too, you had it. You had executives making those decisions as to wanting what would be the best um, financial. Financially, for us to survive now, with um, Tony Khan and one of the uh, one of the richest families in the U.S. Uh, backing all backing this, and you have a roundtable of wrestlers who actually care about the business, uh, talking about all this and wanting to make the changes to for the betterment of wrestling. It's a completely different mindset, and it's and it's a more genuine mindset that I think will absolutely uh, succeed. And I honestly, for me, don't believe that this is done either. 
I think there will be more companies that may want to work with AEW and NWA and um, and Impact Wrestling. What do you think it's possible that a promotion like Ring of Honor might want to get involved? Quite possibly, possibly, but I think there there's more there's more of a possibility of for me new japan pro wrestling working with all elite wrestling mm-hmm. more so than ring of honor because because when you look at when you look at the picture half of those half of those guys well actually no let's say three-fourths of the evps have ties to new japan that's right because you had Cody who worked in New Japan, you had Kenny Omega who built his own damn career in uh, Japan, whether it be DDT, yes, All Japan, New Japan, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, and then you had the Young Bucks who, after leaving ROH and moving to, or not moving to, but migrating over to New Japan solidified their career on a higher level in New Japan than they ever thought about here in the U.S. at that point. But that was after Ring of Honor had taken them in. Now, Ring of Honor did wonders to elevate their career here, but once they moved on to New Japan, that's where they became more nationally known. And then, when you bring in the prospect of what... What drew a lot of fans over to the New Japan Wrestle, uh, the Wrestle Kingdom from two years ago that hadn't ever been brought to the forefront beforehand? You, ha- you had, I think it was over 200,000 200, subscriptions to New Japan Pro Wrestling World, which is like their WWE. Um, their their uh, WWE app and their w- their WWE streaming service over there. What brought more than two hundred thousand people in was the fact that you had a notable name in the U.S. in Chris Jericho taking on one of the biggest wrestlers in Japan at the time in Kenny Omega. You bring those two together, you had a huge spike in the in the subscription service over there so these particular wrestlers have ties to everywhere and i really think that there will be more to come but but again that that is just i I think we are just seeing the beginnings of all of this i think we're seeing the beginnings of a wrestling earth-shattering um sequence of events here that will change the landscape of, of professional wrestling for the foreseeable future especially because now you take into another account too what's that I, I, I want to see this happen i don't know if it is going to happen i definitely want to see this happen but again mm-hmm. 
you don't know if this is going to happen or not. You really don't. There was an interview with Renee pa- uh, Paquette, who is uh, who was Renee Young in WWE. Mm-hmm. There was an interview with her, and with her, who is also uh, John Moxley's wife. Now, there was an interview with her and a lo- a long awaited wrestler to return. She had an interview with CM Punk, and he said. That if he it, that if he was going to get back into wrestling, there would be more guys that he would want to wrestle in AEW than anywhere else. Well, it'll be interesting to see. It CM will, Pong, it will. like I said, I don't I don't have a whole lot of good things to say about him, but um, not trying to disrespect the guy. Just I'm just no, not a fan of CM Punk. But um, but I will give I will give Punk a little bit of credit. I will give Punk a little bit of credit. The the reason why I I despise the man, you're gonna sit there publicly complain about working and putting over part timers, um, insinuating working with the Undertaker, having to put over a part timer, and you're complaining Mm -hmm. about working with the man at WrestleMania. Considering what this man has done for the business, I, I lost all respect I had for him then. I mean, I give the guy a little bit of credit. He had the guts to step in the UFC and try, lost both times. Yeah. You know, proving the fact that he's not a legitimate tough guy. But, you know, yeah. it had to take a lot of guts to step in there, you know, and fight. I'll give him a little bit of respect. But just the fact that he got, he had an issue of putting over The Rock, putting over The Undertaker, and putting over Brock Lesnar, you know, I, yeah. I lost all respect for him. I mean, but, and yeah, there there there's a lot of people that feel the same way. Uh, what uh, what I was saying there was he was he kind of gave a little bit of hope to a lot of people that want to that that want to see him back. And oh yeah, and, I know he's got a fan following. There's a ton of people, yeah. and if he does, so he does come AEW. It's definitely gonna make an yeah. impact in the rest of the world, and it's yeah. gonna raise some eyebrows, and it's gonna make the WWE panic a little bit, I think. But uh, like I said, they've been through this before. They've always come out on top, so. But at the same time, I, I am kind of pulling for AEW, you know. I um, I will put I will uh, speaking to what you just said. If if this opens up the door for more organizations to work with AEW, like um, Impact now is and a and uh, NWA hat has been because Corgan has said yes that. We are in a working relationship with AEW, who is now the principal owner of the National Wrestling Alliance. And also, you can see with what happened at Hard to Kill that they, at Hard to Kill is the Impact pay per view that that just uh, was uh, was shown um, this past Saturday. That they are are working together. If more organizations do come into the fray and start working together. With AEW, it will definitely do this. It will definitely force the WWE brass and the WWE creative style to turn in a completely new direction than what they are in right now. 
Without a shadow of a doubt, brother. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I think I think that's what people are so sick and tired of. You have right now a lot like okay, for example, uh I you you have a lot of people who are well past their prime taking spots from a lot of the people who work their asses off every single week to bring the best out for uh, WWE and they get misused but just a prime example and I, I don't want to bring this back up but sure go ahead. Goldberg again at the Royal Rumble yeah it, it's it I understand that it's to elevate Drew McIntyre Unless they pull some crap like they did over in uh, Saudi Arabia again. Um, or last but, year when Goldberg beat The Fiend to become the Universal Champion just to, that, you know. That's what, that's what I, I'm I mean, referring I, I, to. <laughs> yeah, that's that what crazy. I'm referring to. So unless, unless they pull something like that again, I understand why. But I also think, it, I also think a lot of folks, especially fans who have who kind of are in the business like we are and who understand the business like we are and who right. kind of can understand like creative meetings and booking decisions and all of that kind of good stuff. I think from a, a lot of people like that, they're just like, why? I mean, you're, you're, take, you're, you're taking spots away from guys who work their keisters off week in and week out and saying, okay, you, you continually work your ass off for us, yes. But we're gonna give we're gonna give we're gonna give your spot or your potential spot to a guy who hasn't been in the ring in six months. I think that's where yeah. a lot of the a lot of the frustration is. And, and and with a lot of people who really watch wrestling and even people like us who are in wrestling, who behind the scenes kind of know what goes on and the frustration that lies there within within that company. And it's it's like because you know it could be so much better and to see it and to see it kind of suffer like it is, it's it's just I, 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 that that's where that's where I think that's where a lot of the frustration is, and it and it's go, and it's going to take something like AEW and like companies working together to amass something that actually wakes wakes WWE up and says, "Oh crap!" You know, I mean, we've lost a ton of viewers already, and they're amassing viewers like crazy. Look at what they're doing. And look at what we're doing, and that may force them to kind of uh, change their thinking a little bit about booking and change their thinking about what they want to do in the future and, and where they want to go. Because if, right. if they don't, if they don't, it's 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 like uh, it's 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 like the the elitist said, you know, we want to change. The landscape of professional wrestling, and I think this is the beginning, and we're seeing, we're in the midst of seeing that happen. Well, 
I tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm fired up. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I'd like to see how this is really going to unfold between Impact and AEW and NWA Power. Wait to see how the WWE is going to counter counterattack it and see if they're going to try to do anything, you know, different up and everything. And then, you know, with that being said, you know, I kind of want to um, – Let's 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 dive into some of the indie wrestling here. What's going on here in the CSRA? Yeah. You know, we all know 2021. Joshua Hancock has announced all titles. Bauer Pro is here by vacated. You know, Livewire mm-hmm. had their had a show January second. Very successful, I'm being told. You know, mm-hmm. and you were there. I wasn't able to be there, unfortunately, yes, but I know you was there. I want to hear everything that would happen on January second at the Livewire. Okay. So that uh, that particular show was awesome because, um, first of all, I, I I got there around like I think it was around like two thirty. So I, I was I was early, early as homemates in that day. Um, did they did they have a training seminar going on when you got there? Or? Yes, they did. Uh, they okay. they had a training seminar where uh, J- uh, Jimmy Jacobs actually. Um, was there listening to a lot of promos from the guys in the back, kind of coaching them and helping them along, along with developing their style, their characters, their uh, demeanors, and giving them pointers on, you know, like what could help them in the future. Because because some of these guys have have it span it it spans in the ring. Some of them were just uh, started a year ago, and then you have guys like uh, Charlie Anarchy. Who, who have been in the business for a good while, especially here in in and around the CSRA. I mean, Brandon Parker Parker was back. I mean, there, yes. there, have, been, yes. there have been veterans of the CSRA scene who were there also. And you have this amalgamation of people there learning from one of the best-thinking wrestlers in strategic wrestling minds that the business has because not only that, but you, but Jimmy, but the zombie princess has also not only wrestled for ROH and won gold there. He has wrestled. Um, I believe he's wrestled in impact as well. He's worked in the creative team of impact wrestling. He has been doing a ton of stuff behind the scenes for them. So you have a guy with a tremendous amount of knowledge in the zombie princess giving you pointers on where to go uh, with character development and all this kind of stuff. So that was an exciting, That's pretty good. Oh yeah. Exciting oh, yeah. sight to see. And then when you, uh, boil, boil down into it, I mean, you, you had, you had a lot of good, a lot of good things go, go down there. I mean, of course you have, you have, uh, Jeremy Cruz and and his and his posse um, kind of do their thing and kind of uh, take 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 over the scene there for a little bit and and what I mean by that is if you kind of see how 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 the how the day progressed even in right. uh, Matt Sells's own separate little his own separate promotion. That he booked with Livewire in the Boozerweight Classic because it was it was a, a lot of the Boozerweight Classic is I believe Matt Sells booking himself. 
So you had a Jeremy Cruz influence in in that as well, which we'll get to. But um, it was awesome, man. Hands down. I mean, the the Livewire show was um, done, uh, did really well. Um, and then you had uh, the Boozweight Classic go down without a hitch as well. And you kind of look at what all happened there. Well, you had, uh, for, for starters, and to, to kind of to kind of elevate it a little bit, you had the World Heavyweight, uh, the Live Wire Championship being defended on the Live Wire show against. Well, it it was it was supposed to be Jimmy Jacobs, but then there was there was something beforehand that happened that led into a promo. And then Jimmy J and and then Jimmy Jacobs getting involved, leading into the Boozerweight uh, Boozerweight Classic. But the championship itself, the Livewire Heavyweight Championship, was defended in the Livewire portion of the show, right? Against um, a, Matt Sells went toe to toe with the Storybook Prince Gaston. And you yourself know how Gaston can be in character. That's right. He does a really good job of getting under people's skin. So that was that that was that was good to see. That was really good to see. Um, then you had uh, Brandon Parker and Charlie Anarchy team up, which was I, I never thought I'd see that. In, in, in my uh, wrestling career oh, here, and that happened. It's been a long time. They've, they've teamed before. They've been part. They've uh, been opponents and rivals. You know, if you would, if, if back in the day, Charlie Anarchy was one of the biggest guys out of SWF. He even been in AWS. So does Brandon Parker with all his gimmicks. And then they had, had an intense rivalry in Flatline Pro and, and Flatline Championship Wrestling way back mm-hmm. in the day. So these guys got a long career to sort of see them uh, together at Livewire. You know, God, I wish I was there able to see it, but that, that had been pretty cool to witness. And so, I, and I mean, it, it's it's it it goes back to the old adage: uh, one one of the best one of your best tag team partners is not only your best friend, but uh, your greatest enemy as well, because you two know each other like the back like the back of your own feet. I mean, you two know each okay. other from top to bottom, and you know each other's tendencies. And chemistry makes a hell of a tag team. And, and they 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 did really well. I believe they went up against high profile. And they did really, really well, um, which is high, high profile is another good team uh, that actually I think had a booking earlier on in the week in Florida, so they 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 came up they came up uh, come up from that. So that was that was a really good uh, tag team match. And then I mean you had a lot of a lot of good matches. You had. Uh, and there was a running theme throughout the night that that took over here. So with within a, um, I believe it was what was scheduled to be a six man tag team match. You had Zuka King, Big Game James, and I can't remember 
the their tag team partner going up against three uh three combatants and the the running theme of the night was that it was supposed to be a six man tag team match well it it was it was a really good match and at the at the end of it Big Game James and Zuka King form an alliance of some really? of uh, form an alliance, and their reasoning is they are pissed off that they are not given any shot by management that they have been holding each other they have been holding them back. So they take matters into their own hands, and so. When they take matters into their own hands, and just to, and just to give you guys kind of a uh, a mainstream resemblance here, this is this is kind of the direction of the shield and what they started out being, and this is mm-hmm. the this is kind of the similar direction of what retribution should be. Instead of what they turn into. Right. So Zuka King and Big Game James. Throughout the night. Are, are basically telling everybody. Hey look. We're going to take out the whole dead gum entire roster. Until we get what we want. So there were three or four matches throughout the card. That they came in. And sullied up. And interrupted. And either the match was thrown out or they did it after the match to make a statement on several people but they they're forced to be they they are now a force to be reckoned with in live wire wrestling and it's one it's one of those things man where you know in 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 the heat of the in the heat of the moment i mean you, you yourself know how big and how much of a monster big game james is so anybody that comes to tussle with them will 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 have a will have a long night. We'll have a long night and probably some some broken bones and and what else to contend with at once once the once the night is over with. So I mean it it's it's a definitely a force to be reckoned with. And that started that night and they are going to be contenders for a long time to come. Now, the next, they have a shot at um, the tag team titles, but they've got to earn it first. So right. they've got a um, a tag team match at the April, or it's either the March or the April, um, April show. I think it's March. I think it's like March. But they've got at the next show they've got a um, a chance for the uh, tag team titles. But again, they've got they've got to earn it. So they've got a they've got a uh, tag team match at the next show, which should be good. I mean, because not only have you got the muscle and brawn of Big Game James, 
but you've got sort of the the quickness and the ingenuity of Zuka King working working well together. So that should be a formidable tag team. Wow. And then awesome uh, so there 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 were some really good elements to that night. Um you had some really good really good matches on the card there as well. Then you get to the um Boozerweight Classic and throughout the throughout the night the running theme from the uh the cruise camp was that yeah, I think um the the team of uh, Premier Queer, which is the or, 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 excuse me, Pretty Queer, which is the the uh, Pretty Boy and the Premier Queer, um, and that that's um, Matt Matt uh, Odom and William Blackwell. Throughout the night, they they had they had matches, whether they were in a match or. They were um, in the corner of Cruz. They helped Cruz, them and Cruz, stole every match they were in. Whether it be you know you you know the the old heel tactics where whether you've got the hands on the tights when you pin them up, or you've got some underhanded heel type of situation where the villains come out on top where they shouldn't come up come out on top because it was stolen and things like that. So throughout the night, you had you had all that happening on uh, Livewire. Then you get to the Boozerway Classic, and, and you had the the. We'll get into how the Boozerway Classic works in a second. Um. So throughout the night, you had the three of them working solidly together. And they they would steal several matches. So enter the Boozerweight Classic, and the way the classic works is you have five qualifying matches, and those qualifying matches enter you into the chance to make your way into a um, six pack challenge. Well, that six-pack challenge will then earn you the right, and th- and this is where the tie-in happens, will earn you the right for a future Livewire championship match. Nice. So, at this particular point, you had the, uh, the qualifying matchups. Well, in, in one of the matchups, or no, actually, rather, one of the matchups was a battle royal. Oh, they had a battle royal. Mm-hmm. Over, over the top battle royal, and it it it, it was crazy because uh, one of the matchups was, or in the battle royal, excuse me, you had a wrestler by the name of Pumpkin Cassidy. And you can kind of guess who that is. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then you had <laughs> a um, you you had some had some really strong wrestlers there. Um, and then you had a wrestler by the name of I think it was El Dio the Horse the Horse. Again, you, you can kind of put two and two together there. That's not that's but, like it. That's, that's so, at that particular point, El the horse, winds up out of every wrestler there. Pumpkin Cassidy gets a great like third. Right. Um, out of every wrestler there, El Hijo de Horso winds up winning the Battle Royal. And he moves on to the six-pack challenge. Well, remember, in a six-pack challenge, there is no over-the-top rope anything. Right, uh, it, right. It's, 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 it's standard, standard rules. It's like a, a six-way dance. So, um... El Hudi Horso wins the Battle Royal, moves on to the six-pack uh, six challenge, and and I'll and I'll 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 have to look back up up at the up at the uh, up at the card here to because right. my mind is not really working right now on who was in that. Battle Royal, but he winds up winning the Battle Royal, and at that particular point, you have the six-pack challenge. Well, the six-pack challenge was you had a a lady in there, and you had five five other other wrestlers. And if I can find the card, I'll. I'll pull it, pull it up for you, but um, El Hijo de Horso, due to nefarious circumstance, nefarious circumstances, is not, doesn't win the Battle Royal, but doesn't mean that he doesn't have a impact into what's going on. Right. Because at that particular point, another you had Matt Matt Odom, the um a part of Team Pretty Queer, he wins a matchup as well. So he is right. in the battle oil as well. And Matt Odom Actually wins the battle royal. So at the next show, it will be Matt Sells versus Matt Odom for the title. Matt Sells versus Matt Odom for the championship. Yep. Matt Blake, I got to tell you this real quick, man. I got, um, I'm hoping I've, I haven't got the final word yet, but. The rumor rumor mill is is is, is flowing out there. Survivor pain might come out of retirement, March six. Oh Lord, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Lord I'm hoping help. I'm... Lord help <laughs> everyone involved with Livewire. 
Well, I made a public challenge out there. A public challenge right now. If the if the promoter books the match, I per, I want to take this time right now and challenge Christian Fury one more time, big man. One more time. We need to sell this once and for all. But who truly is the best in this business, especially becomes between me and you, you know. But if I can get past him, I can't forget about J.C. Walker. You know, it was a year and a half ago. I got in the ring of J.C. Walker. He got the better of me that day. Kind of like, kind of like, like, like a last minute thing. I show up there, you know, try to help out the show, and I get asked, "Do I want to wrestle?" You know, and they, they need an opponent for J.C. Walker. And I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, and you know, talk about like maybe being prepared, but I wasn't gonna say no. I got in the ring, got did, did the best I could, man, but. You know, I came on the short end of the stick, you know, so I've been in the gym, I've been training, I've been working hard, and I'm hoping I want to find out exactly where I'm at, because if the promoters make this thing happen, if I get my hands on Christian Fury, and I defeat him, I'm going after J.C. Walker. I got to redeem myself, man. It's all about redemption for me, but I, I'm hoping it happens, but we'll find out. We'll find out come March the 6th, man. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm trying to come out of retirement. Not, not, not only those two, but man, the whole entire locker room is on notice with that one, man. Because that that's that's huge news. And I mean, not, not only that, but a, a laying down the law to fury. I like that. I like that. And. We'll see if uh, the black uh, black rose has his will respond to that. Well, we'll find have, out. We will see. I, we will. See. I have a feeling he will sooner or later. I have a feeling he will. Um, I'm pretty sure he will. I've never known the black rose Christian Fury to ever turn down a challenge, and I damn sure know Jason Walker ain't going to turn down a challenge. And keep this in mind, I've got mad respect for both of them. I'm not going out there with intentions to make sure they never wrestle again, but keep this in mind. If I put a submission hold on them, and if they don't tap, then something's going to snap, and I'll be their decision. That's all I got to say. You know, we in this thing, oh. we in this thing, we win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, the 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 thing the thing you would have to be concerned with with the Black Rose is that Black Rose is not petals of love; it's petals of thorns, and that, those petals of thorns have dastardly tactics attached to them. So, I would be concerned a little bit about Fury, and it's, it's especially considering what he did. In UCW with um, Night Stalker and the 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 rest of his crony, so would not. Well, be I've surprised. got no, I've got no fear. I've got no fear with Dead Reckoning. I've got no fear of Night Stalker, Damian Sick, or the little trio of goons they want to call themselves. <laughs> I'm cost a fiber of pain for a reason. Any little thorns he's going to dish out, I'll take it, survive it, rise to the top, and I will ground and pound and beat him down, and I will break him, my friend Blake. That I promise <laughs> you. I I I know that, but what but what I'm also saying to you. Is I know how survivor of pain works too, and the thing I would the thing I would say to you too is also be a thinking man's wrestler too, because you know Fury is, you know Fury has a catalog of thinking on his feet, 
whether that's in yep. dastardly tactics or not. So just yep, be that's, mindful that's, that's, of that. That's, 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 that's pretty cool because, you know, I know that's his strategy. I know Fury is a thinking man game. I know he's got a contingency plan. I know he's going to try to think anything he can to try to overcome survivor pain. But I have an answer to that strategy. You know what that is? If you scramble his brains, he ain't going to be able to think of a damn thing. That's true. I mean, so once I get him in the arm bar, once I get him in the guillotine, once I get him in the ankle lock and the knee bar, don't worry, Fury. I'll explain to you what those means later when we get in the ring. But once I, once yeah, once I put all my moves to him and he ain't gonna understand what the hell is gonna happen to him, I'm gonna have my phone with him. Trust me, he'll be screaming. He ain't gonna be thinking. Sounds like. Live you me. Don't don't think they ain't got a game plan. Don't think they ain't got a strategy. I know exactly what I'm gonna do, but not bell rings. Believe you me. The worst mistake that he can make is underestimate survivor of pain. Sounds like the wall is laid down. Sounds like the <laughs> wall is laid down. And I you you probably can't expect uh a hell of a lot. In response to Fury, but just to just to just to go over a little bit more of the card from the last show in Decade of Power, uh-huh. Uh-huh. we we had um, the uh, team of Out of Darkness go toe to toe with the uh, Devil's Advocate, which it. The Devil's Advocate is a really intriguing character brought on by Adrian Davis, who you recently had on this very podcast. That's right. And his, char- his character development with this is top-notch. And he, he, brought, he brought a couple of his friends with him to this matchup. And... Uh, the Freak Show Society, which is um, uh, Corey, uh, Corey Savior, and oh, not um, and another one of his friends as well, and then uh, you had a basically what was not a six man. Uh, tag match, but a new New Year's challenge with six people in it. Rob Killjoy was there. Uh, Zero was in there, and that was a really good matchup. Then your your hombre J.C. Walker took on the guy that said Augusta is a hellhole, <laughs> and uh. Scott Mason, Scott Mason, who it, it, we we both when he debuted last month had had a lot to say about this individual, and Scott Mason definitely can bring out the antithesis of a crowd in the uh, pure. Um, He's a. Let's just put it this way: Scott Mason is a boo factory waiting to happen. Wow! So that 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 was a good that was a good matchup, and then you then you had uh, some more some more matches on that card that were just phenomenal. But all in all, a very 
very good show that leads into um that leads into what um what happens in March. So well, I definitely can't wait to see. I know it's going to be March the 6th at the American Legion at Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations to, 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 to Billy Johnson and everything, all the hard work he has done. Billy Johnson, as we all know, is the Bill Watts of the CSRA. And I got to tell you what, man, Bill Watts can see how hard, how hard Billy Johnson has been working. I think even he would be very, very, very proud. Oh, But Blake, also. I hate to do this, Tim. Man, my producers are, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let me, let me, let me. Let's talk about one more thing before we go. Um, sure. You talked about we talked about Blackwell and Odom and the and the and the uh, tag team. They beat the the Danger City. They defeated the Danger City Demons. Keep an eye out on uh, Kikoa, who is a really good wrestler. He he uh, defeated Angus Bedford. But I want to talk about last before we uh, go here is the. The match that a lot of people came down to see, and that was Matt Sells going toe to toe with the zombie princess Jimmy Jacobs. Now, phenomenal, phenomenal matchup. He started inside the ring. Both combatants were leveling each other. Spilled to the outside. Jimmy Jacobs took Sells to town on the outside. They went into the crowd, over the barricades, started punching the daylights out of each other in, in the mm. crowd. Um, you had a suplex on the outside. You bring it back into the crowd here. Um, both are getting shots in on each other. I think Sells uh, uh, at one point uses the stairs to his, to his advantage. Uh, Jacobs is known to fly, so he uses... Oh, it was a uh, some aerial tactics there as well. Then you come to the part that turns the tide for uh, Jimmy Jacobs. As you had Cells and Jacobs battling on the outside near the entranceway, J- Jacobs shoots on back up toward the towards the towards the announce table. And just pushes cells into the wall beside the announce position. Well, wow. you know how cells likes to have his booze, right? That's right. So he has it. Ha, ha, has his uh, has his booze in hand. I honestly think, after thinking about it and talking to talking to some of the people there. After he runs into the wall and get and gets and gets knocked out, the the beer breaks and mm-hmm. the beer cuts Matt Sell's hand into smithereens. So his hand is busted open, his leg mm-hmm. is busted open, and that turns the tide for uh, for Jimmy Jacobs. Then the zombie princess gets him back in the ring, does a bo- uh, does a body splash from the top rope. They go into a high vaulted suplex from the top uh, from the top rope. Cells kicks out. Um, so they go back and forth again with shots. You have you have a, a fisherman suplex by 
uh, Jimmy Jacobs there at that point sells counters and winds up becoming the victor of this matchup. So your live wire champion is still Matt Sells in a phenomenal match to close out tonight. Or to, cl- to close out a dual-branded night. That was an amazing matchup. Outstanding, man. Sound like Pirate Decade was an amazing show. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure to check it out on YouTube and the Live Wire on the Live Wire uh, channel. And yep. uh, but hey, man, March the sixth is going to be coming up here real, real shortly. The next six weeks or so, March the sixth, man. I'm, I plan on being there. Like I said, I know you plan on being there. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap things up here this week. Join us next time. I'm your co. I'm your excuse me. I am your host, Survivor Pain Bill Blanchard, along with Blake Collins again. Hope everybody has a happy new year. Hope everybody enjoyed our show today. And listen, let's kick it off next time, man. Let's do this thing. Y'all, God bless. Have a safe night.